The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. The wait is finally over and the NBA is back. Football is in full swing with the playoffs. And Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> hey guys, how about them Bears? How about that performance on Sunday? Didn't that want to make you just <sighs> puke up the green shit that was flying all over the end zone after the Saints scored touchdowns? Because uh, that's how it made me feel, and. Uh, that was a do-or-die-there-is-no-tomorrow situation, and that's the effort that we put on the field, and it just grand. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, not how I wanted to be doing this episode. I was hoping to be excited and overjoyed about the fact that we pulled off a big road victory uh, as the biggest underdog in the first round of the playoffs, and we upset the the Saints and sent them home disappointed for the fourth straight season uh, and, and, you know, have another four, uh, have another disappointing postseason uh, exit. And we're on the road to uh, to Green Bay, where I'm sure we would have been like 25 point underdogs going into that one. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, we moved on to the second round. We've um, legitimized our place in the playoffs by winning a game against a very good team on the road in their building. But instead, we went out there to New Orleans and did exactly what everyone said we were going to do, um, which was prove that we didn't really deserve to be there in the first place and got our asses handed to us by a far superior team. So that's what this review episode is going to sound like. So if you're not interested in hearing that, I understand. Uh, be sure to join me and, and Lauren. Um, I'm going to push it out to Friday now because I'm going to leave the the Bears uh, an, an, an extra day to see if they make any official uh, decisions. They haven't had their year in review press conference yet uh, or anything like that. So word is that, you know, well, the rumor is N Pace and Nagy are saying, but I'm holding out hope that some changes are coming um, based on the fact that we haven't heard that from the Bears yet. So I'm going to hold off the, the year in review show one more day until Friday, or I'm, I'm going to record it on Thursday instead of Friday and or I'm going to record it I'm going to drop it on Friday instead of Thursday I don't know what the hell's going on with me today but anyway it's coming out Friday instead of Thursday to give the Bears an extra day to make the move if they don't then we'll figure that out afterwards but uh, let's go ahead and and dive into this game there's not a lot of happiness that we're going to be discussing here but we'll get through it like we have everything else this year together because we're Bear fans, for better or for worse, and uh, even though we belly ache and bitch and moan about this team, they're still our team, and uh, you know, we'll be here for the worst, and we'll be here through the best, and uh, you know, you'll be here with me, I'll be here with you together, 
suffering through it all or you know like that glorious november 2nd 2016 when the cubs finally hoisted the world series trophy will be you know blubbering and crying and you know all that kind of shit when the bears finally do it again uh someday hopefully in the near future so anyway let's go ahead and and, and get into it it's the wild card review episode of the bears talk underground so let's get to it On Sunday, our beloved marched into Mercedes-Benz Stadium or the Superdome or whatever they're calling it these days, and they came, and they saw, and they folded. God damn, it was awful. I mean, it's just, oh man. And it was, it was, it was a, it was. A, wait till you hear the the first quarter knee-jerk reaction. I think it sums it up uh, beautifully when I say there's the there's the knee-jerk reaction that I should be giving, and then there's the one that I am. Uh, giving and there there were a few moments mostly in the first half about where, what this game should have been and what this game ended up being because of it and it was sickening to watch at times um, mostly because um, it was obvious that the rumor that Nagy was taking more of an active role in the play calling uh, going especially in the Green Bay game you could see it was evident there and there's after seeing the way the offense played this past Sunday in that game against New Orleans, there's no denying it now. He absolutely took it back. He took it back. There's, you can't say that he didn't. And I, it's just, you know, it was, it was something that I was nervous about going into the football game. And, you know, it just, it just, it, it killed me. It killed me to, to, to the, what, what the offense was doing. The offense carried this team for four or five weeks, uh, you know, of the season. I mean, even in a losing effort uh, to Green Bay in, in, uh, from the bye, we scored 25 points. Granted, it was garbage at the end, but we scored 25 points uh, in that game, backed it up with 30 uh, against um, Detroit, 36 uh, against the um, Texans, then 33 against the Vikings, and then 41 against the, uh, what was it, 41, wasn't it? 41 points or 40, whatever it was, against the um, Jaguars. And then the more active role in play calling takes place uh, going into the Green Bay game, and we could barely muster 16 points. We were back to not being able to close the deal uh, in the red zone, and then we carried that over into New Orleans where we walked away with a whopping nine points. And (laughs) let's be honest, uh, we, we, we literally scored a walk-off touchdown at the end of the game to make it nine points. We basically lost this ball game 21 to three. That's what the real final score of this game was. If not for an amazing catch from Jimmy Graham at the, as the clock struck zero in the middle of the end zone there. So yeah, we, we went from 40 points against the Jaguars to 16 points against green Bay to three points against the saints. That's that was the offensive output. Granted, the Saints, the way they played on Sunday, probably the best defense we've seen all year. But there were opportunities, some that we let get away, some that were taken from us because the Saints did play well or they got there a second too soon. Um, Moments like that. So and of course, then there was the second half where we basically melted down and our discipline went out the window. Uh, poor tackling, jumping off sides, you know, 
gifting them first downs by jumping off sides on fourth and three, third and four, and and things like that. No wonder Chuck Pagano retired today. You can take another year of that shit. So, uh, yeah, it was it was disappointing. It was sickening. It was difficult, difficult, difficult to watch. Uh, I did not keep my promise and flip it over to Nickelodeon when the game started to get away from us. I, it just it it wasn't going to make me feel better. It just wasn't. So I still have it recorded. I haven't watched it yet just to see, you know, to watch the game and see how different the broadcast was. I've heard good things. And, of course, I've seen the screenshot of SpongeBob being in the uprights and, um, you know, what the what the slime look like. Or the, you know, the slime comes out of the out of the pylons when someone scores a touchdown and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, I didn't hear what the broadcast sounded like or, you know, what they did different and, uh, you know, how they tailored it to kids, which I was what I was really interested in. But um, anyway, let's go ahead and dive in. This first quarter knee jerk reaction kind of says it all. Uh, for the game you know like I said there was the knee-jerk reaction that I should be giving you and then there's the knee-jerk reaction that I ended up having to give because of some things that did or most importantly didn't happen uh, in that first quarter and uh, it changed the ball game pretty much right on the face to let us know what kind of day this is going to be for us (coughs) knee-jerk reaction first quarter Bears and Saints and there's what this knee-jerk reaction should have been And then there's what this knee-jerk reaction actually is. Because what it should have been is me telling you how the Bears' defense gave up a touchdown drive. They let Breeze and company march down the field and put one in the end zone by the returning uh, Michael Thomas. And what I should be saying next is, and then the Bears responded, A, with an outstanding catch, a great throw, nice touch, from Mitch that got him 28 yards in a first down. And on the following play, Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor finally dialed up a play that did fool the defense, a gadget play that started in the Wildcat formation and ended with Trubisky hitting a wide-open Javon Wims in the end zone for a touchdown, except he fucking dropped it. He dropped it. And it wasn't because the defender grabbed his arm or anything like that. It hit him right in the breadbasket, and he fucking dropped it. And then a couple of plays later, uh, Mitch thought it would be a good idea to run out of bounds on fourth and four, about a yard and a half short of of the line to gain. So instead of tying the game, we gave the football back to the Saints at the 34 yard line, no points on the board. So that's the drive the Saints are on now. Uh, the Bears seem to be allergic to stopping the Saints on third down because I think they've converted all but one at this point. Um, and we're down seven to nothing. And it's just, it goes back to what I was saying in the preview. Uh, if, the, if the Saints score a touchdown, the offense has to answer with a touchdown. We can't do this touchdown field goal thing, you know, that obviously that doesn't add up for us. But... <sighs> It's another thing entirely when we actually do it, but we let the opportunity slip away from us. That's exactly what happened here. And, you know, we'll be lucky if we get away with that one huge mistake. We certainly cannot afford another one. There cannot be another missed opportunity like that one. And the defense needs to fucking stiffen up. It's it's ridiculous, guys. It's the playoffs. Pull your head out of your asses. And play some fucking defense. 
<laughs> yeah, my my uh, my cup kind of runneth over with watching all of that talent on the defensive side of the ball just keep getting run over. You know, not being able to stop them on third down. I mean, that was basically the theme of the game was third downs. Remember last week it was the red zone opportunities that we um, that we or just being in the red zone, how the Packers were perfect four for four. The Bears were one for five and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Those were the that was the theme of last week's game. Like there was the difference in the game right there for the Bears and the Saints. It was third down. The Bears were one for ten. And I think it was sometime late in the third quarter that we finally got our first third down conversion. And the Saints were 10 for 17. 10 10 for 17 on third down. And, um, you know, it's that that says everything. Because the second half for the Bears, or for the Saints, I should say, was like the, the first half of that first Green Bay game where Green Bay had the ball three times and they had it for nine plays, 14 plays, 12 plays, put it in the end zone each and every time. Uh, for the Saints, uh, in the, it was the second half where they had a nine-minute drive, an eight-minute drive, a nine-minute drive with all these plays and everything in between, absolutely wearing our defense down to the nub. When in, in their defense, I mean, you heard how pissed off I was at the defense at the end of the first quarter. The defense ended actually showed up for this game. Aside from that one drive and their penchant for third down, they actually played really, really well against the Saints, or at least their best performance in a really long time. You know, even it's just like it's I don't really count the Houston game because they had like nine string tackles out there that we were running over for seven sacks uh, and everything. I'm, I'm talking about like our last best defensive performance before this was probably the Minnesota game before the bye. You know, when 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 Dalvin Cook could do nothing against us until we lost the Keem Hicks. And now all of a sudden, you know, the Vikings are taking advantage of it and they're running the football and they're getting chunks and stuff, stuff like that. And it's just so many very, very good defensive performances wasted in the first half of the season, especially during that six game uh, losing streak. Or actually, I take it back to the to that four game losing streak before the bye. After the bye, God only knows what the hell was going on with those guys. But this is their first really good, solid showing in a long time. And, of course, because it's the Bears, we can't do both in the same game. We can't have the offense show up and the defense show up at the same time to give us a, a nice, you know, well-rounded performance. There always has to be some kind of caveat. And the caveat was Matt Nagy took the playbook back, and he was the one calling the plays. And it was absolutely obvious to anyone who's been paying attention to this team this year because gone were the role. I mean, you actually, I'll, I'll save it because you'll hear me say it in the knee-jerk reaction here for the second quarter because I'm absolutely convinced of it by the end of the first half. But, you know, the, the, to the, the, the Javon Wims play, like I said, he just flat-out dropped the ball. It went right through his hands, and it just – he just he just dropped the ball. Um, you know, I don't really think he took his eyes off of it or if he lost it in the stadium lights or whatever it was. It was all him, whatever it was. It was all him because he had beaten his receiver or his defender. He had a couple of steps on him. The defender didn't, you know, grab his arm or trip him up or get a hand in his face to, you know, pass, you know, did pass interference and it wasn't flagged or anything like that. 
it was all on Javon Wims. And, um, you know, it's like I tweeted uh, at halftime that Javon Wims has uh, 30 minutes to help us forget the play we're all going to remember anyway. So, uh, and he, (laughs) Uh, the football gods ended up uh, sacrificing Anthony Miller later on uh, in the second half. We'll talk about that later. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, it just (laughs) – Mitch throws two dimes in a row, which is remarkable in its own right because Mitch is has all his career that the one thing that he struggled with is deep balls. And he threw a great throw to Wims on the first catch that had to be reviewed for some reason. He had three steps and a toe drag. That's more than enough to be able to um, establish yourself on the field. Because otherwise, if he had just gotten two feet in and immediately falls out of bounds and bobbles it at the end like he did, then it's not a catch because he didn't have a football move or, you know, whatever those kooky-ass rules for catches are. But instead, three steps and a toe drag, and then he goes to the ground and the ball comes out and and all that kind of stuff. So initially that's why they called it incomplete, but the replay show Javon got way more steps than he needed um, to be able to go to the ground and lose the ball and still call it a catch. So, But an absolute dime of a throw from Mitch. Beautiful, right on the spot, right where it needed to be, right where only Javon could catch it. Javon makes the catch, does the footwork, gets it all in, bang. Very next play, Matt Nagy finally is the smartest guy in the room. He <laughs> he outfoxes Dennis Allen, def- defensive coordinator for the Saints. Uh, we start in the Wildcat. He hands it off to Cordero Patterson, he being David Montgomery, hands it off to Cordero Patterson, who pitches it off to Mitch, who stands in the back of the – back of the backfield heaves it downfield to a wide open Javon Wims it couldn't have worked out any better except for like I said he fucking dropped it <laughs> he dropped it I was so pissed because it it just goes to exactly what I was saying what I said going into the Green Bay game what I said going into this one we cannot let these opportunities get away from us and what made it even worse is that this is a team that we lost to because we let these opportunities get away from us the turnover opportunities that we had against the saints in regulation and especially in overtime we should have beaten the saints uh you know in that um in that in that losing streak we should have beaten them we let that one get away from us and you know the saints being a good football team did what good football teams do they let the bad ones beat themselves and just pick up the pieces and that's exactly what they did and obviously, they're very happy that we gifted them that incompletion. And, uh, you know, they got beat on every aspect on that play. They got outsmarted. They got outplayed and outschemed. And we had a wide-open receiver down the middle of the field. Our quarterback finally – I mean, those are one of those plays where usually we're getting pissed at Mitch because he threw it 10 feet outside the end zone and Javon Wims, you know, couldn't be able – wouldn't be able to catch it because Mitch overthrew him or something like that. Instead – the play works perfectly as designed. We ran it without a flaw, except for our receiver, you know, forgot the part about catching it and shit. So, and that was just where it started. That was where it started with the self-inflicted wounds and the mistakes and uh, and things like that. The first quarter was only the beginning. It got worse after that. You know, we were able to get to halftime, still in the ball game, still getting after it. And that's where the defense really stepped up in the second quarter, uh, keeping the Saints scoreless in that second quarter. We put a 
a field goal on the board. So it's seven to three at halftime. It's not over by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm not liking what I'm seeing. And it's not a recipe for success based on what we've seen the Bears do all year long. <laughs> Knee jerk reaction, second quarter, Bears and Saints. And there's some good news and some bad news. The good news is our defense has shown up for this game. They got, a, they got well, the two turnovers, actually, but one was taken away uh, upon replay. Um, Tayshawn Gibson comes in and knocks the ball out of Taysom Hill's hands. John Jenkins catches it in midair. So it was originally called interception. Turns out they call it a fumble, and uh, the Bears did nothing with that because that's the bad news. It is obvious that Matt Nagy is calling the plays again. Because Mitch is dropping back too much. where There are way too many inside runs from Montgomery and also not enough David Montgomery. Okay, everything that hurt us, everything that we struggled with is what we've been doing on offense in the first half. We've seen maybe two bootlegs or sprint outs from Mitch the entire first half. And even though Mitch has made some nice throws, that throw to Wims on the sideline, that preceded Wims dropping the ball in the goddamn end zone on the very next play. Mitch has actually been throwing the ball well, but we're not doing anything on offense that got us to where we are right now. It was that offensive resurgence that got us into the playoffs, man. That's what got us here. That's where we had the four games of scoring 30-plus points uh, to get to this position. You know, I I think Nagy is just – he doesn't – I guess if he's going to go down, it's he's going to go down himself, I guess, on this one. Because it's, it's obvious from the way that we're running, the, the offense that we're running, that Nagy's calling the plays again. Because, you know, <laughs> when Laser was out there, we were, doing much, we were doing things much different and having far more success. You know, we're not seeing enough David Montgomery running the football. And when we do, it's all inside runs running into a, a brick wall of humanity as opposed to getting Montgomery to the outside where he does his best work. So hopefully that's what we see in the second half. Because the good news, the other good news is we get the ball back to start the second half and we're only down 7-3. to three. It's a football game, which at the very least is all I wanted. That's all I wanted. I watched all three games yesterday and aside from this, the Rams kind of pulling away from the Saints at the end, there were three close, down-to-the-wire kind of football games, especially the Saints and the, or excuse me, the, the Washington football team and, and the Buccaneers at the end of the night. Best game of the whole day. And, uh, you know, the, the I, fuck it, I'm calling them the Redskins. The Redskins went down fighting last night. That is the very least that I want to see from the Bears if we can't pull this thing off and win. So... A lot of work to do, a lot of adjustments to make. We need to go back to what we were doing during that three-game winning streak to put some points on the board because the Saints are leaving us in this thing, and we need to make them pay for it, but we're running the wrong offense in order to do it. So hopefully we'll get back to it, give the playbook back to Bill Lazor, and I think that with the way the defense has been playing, we got a shot in this thing. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts.
Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past. And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. The wait is finally over and the NBA is back. Football is in full swing with the playoffs. And Bet Online knows you might not be able to get out to a game this year, but you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> so a very interesting you know, outlook from myself there right before or right at the half. Uh, I should say, you know, it's like the, the 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 cup is half full with the defense, but the cup is definitely half empty uh, on the offense because we're not seeing anything that the Bears were doing to have success uh, since the bye week. You know, we ran the football a lot better against Green Bay after the bye, even though we struggled in other areas because Mitch was playing hero ball and trying to make things happen because we fell back. We fell behind early uh, in that one. We we're, we weren't seeing enough David Montgomery, which if you guys remember that Lions game, I was fucking furious after the Lions game because it was obvious to everyone, obvious to everyone that Montgomery was playing that game on another level. And we were just we kept taking him off the field. We kept pulling him out. We, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It just <laughs> that game made me nuts. But, you know, when we did use Montgomery, we were running it more you know, tr- using the zone reads, letting him, you know, find the lanes to run in and, uh, and things like that. Uh, it just it was it was all inside runs, just lower your head and run into the pile uh, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, Nagy always kind of seems to treat the running game like it's just in, uh, you know, to open things up for the passing game, which you have to have success in order for that to work. And if you're just asking Montgomery to run into the middle of the pile, we're not going to have success there. So. Um, you, but you just didn't see any of those things. Getting Mitch out into the open, which cuts down the, the you know cuts cuts the field in half, 
but also cuts down the reads. And we're not asking him to read the whole field, which is what exactly what we're asking him to do by doing the dropbacks that he did so many times. You know, asking him to find this receiver as his third or fourth read. Mitch is a one-read quarterback. That's that's basically what he does. And those are his limitations. That's unfortunately, he's got a great arm. He can make the throws. He's not very accurate at times. And he can't read defenses. He just can't. So, you know, or he's proven that over and over again. It's, it's just, you know, you don't see him making those those reads where he, he comes across and hits the, the fourth or fifth man, uh, you know, on his progression. Like, go back to last week when we played Green Bay. That first touchdown that Green Bay scored where he threw it to this tight end, uh, Tunyon, in the back of the field. And Tunyon was like the fourth or fifth guy that, that, that uh, Rodgers – was looking at before finding, you know, Tony in the back of the end zone open. He was not the primary receiver. He was not the first read or anything like that. He was third or fourth on the list maybe before Rodgers found him. Now, granted, Rodgers has an all-world offensive line in front of him, and, you know, our offensive line can do it, but uh, (laughs) not as often as Green Bay can, so... There's arguments on both sides, but we weren't doing those things that we were helping Mitch succeed and and catering to his strengths. We were more so trying to fit the round peg in the square hole again. And we saw how how far that got us on on Sunday, which was nowhere. One for 10 on third down. And, you know, until we had that last garbage touchdown drive at the very end of the football game, we didn't have 200 yards total offense uh, before that drive took place. We just didn't. So that's uh, where we were with the offense. I mean, and it was just so, so infuriating, infuriating, I should say, because the, the one thing that we all wanted was to see what it would look like if our defense could wake up and perform to their capabilities like we know they could and mix it in with what this offense has been capable of. I mean, as a matter of fact, I assumed that we'd be running that successful kind of offense in this game against the Saints and then was saying, like, if we can keep doing what we're doing on offense and, you know, the defense steps up and plays to its capabilities, nobody's going to want to play us. We're going to be the team that everybody's afraid of. Green Bay doesn't want to play a team like that. You know, it just like we didn't show up defensively in either one of the games that we played them in this year but if we'd have brought that defense to either one of those games I'll I'll play that I'll take that team against Green Bay every day of the week you know and I'll take a 50-50 shot on on whether or not we'll come out with the victory I just you know I just it's annoying it's annoying it just it just and what's even more annoying is that here we are recording this on Tuesday night the announcement that Pagano has retired uh, so we're definitely getting a new defensive coordinator in 2021, and that's the only decision or announcement that's been made. Rumor is that Pace and Nagy are staying, but until I hear it from the team, I'm going to hold out hope that there's some changes coming down the pike. So we'll see what those are, but um, I, I don't, I don't want to run it back. I just, I just don't. And um, since the two are tied together, one's got to go, then they both got to go. So, so be it. So... And and if I had to pick one or the other, I can't really tell you who I'd want to keep because it's difficult to say. You know, it, it, you you can't argue with Nagy's win loss record because he's won twenty eight games uh, in his uh, tenure. Yeah, twenty eight, twelve the first year, eight the second, eight again. 
this past year. So 28 victories. And I'd say that's probably up there as far as the first three years of a, of a coach uh, for the Bears. I mean, we know that that Fox only had like 15 in three years. Uh, Tressman only had 14 in two seasons and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, Lovey probably would be close to that win total, if not better. Because we were 4-12 and 12 his first year. Then we were 11-5, and five, so that's 15 wins. And then 13-3, and three, so there's 28. So, yeah, he's on pace with, with Lovey. But Lovey did it in a much different way. Lovey took all of his lumps the first year and then came back swinging the next two. And year three, we were in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, totally different <laughs> paths that those guys were on. We weren't calling for Lovey's job after we went to Super Bowl 41. That wasn't happening. So, oh, those days. Anyway, you know, it just uh, was uh, very, very frustrating to see our defense finally come together. And, you know, all that credit goes to Pagano that he finally put together a scheme because it wasn't like our team was lacking motivation or, or anything like that. They just weren't being put in the best position to succeed. And I think Pagano did a great job of that, putting those guys in the best spot to get the, to, to, to be disruptive and to make the plays that they needed to make in order to get the Saints off the field. And they did that in the first half. The second half was something else entirely, but was it was you know hurt by the fact that our offense was basically three and out for the for but like the entire second half we didn't do anything offensively in the second half and um I don't think I talked about it in the knee-jerk reaction but in the third quarter is where we mentally come apart at the seams with uh with Anthony Miller uh punching out CJ Gardner Johnson uh, and it just it, it speaks to a much deeper deeper problem that I full that I fully intend to have that I speak with in in, in great detail with Lauren uh, on the year in review show this week. But, um, you know, one that I won't really dig into right now because I just I don't have the bandwidth to deal with it at the moment. It's something it's a conversation I need to have with someone instead of with myself uh, right now. So, you know, like the, the third quarter we're I think we're still competitive. We no, actually, you know what? I called the game at the end of the third quarter because of the way the offense was playing. I didn't see us being able to to catch New Orleans, even though the score at the end of the third quarter was only fourteen to three. I'm like, you know what? It's done. I just we're still doing the stupid shit on offense. We're wasting this this awesome defensive performance, and you know it's like it's not like the Saints made it look easy like Green Bay did the week before. They were struggling to get everything that they were getting from the defense, and we were doing nothing on the offensive side of the ball to help them out. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears and Saints, and I think it's over now. I, um, I, 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 we, we are hell-bent on getting in our own way today. Uh, Anthony Miller pulled the Javon Wims and decided to punch uh, Gardner Johnson, the same guy that Javon Wims hit 10 weeks ago, just hauled off and punched him in the face right there in the middle of the field, got himself ejected. Um, every step forward that the Bears take, they take three steps back. Uh, we've gifted the Saints, you know, first downs by jumping off sides on fourth and three. Uh, it just, it's remarkable. Absolutely remarkable, you know. And, and honestly, I am, I am back on, not that I was never, ever really off. I just kind of accepted that, 
they'd probably be back. But um, I'm, I'm on they had better be fired tomorrow train. And I mean Nagy, Pace, the whole lot of them. Because a lot of this comes down to discipline and coaching, and the Bears have shown no discipline, and we're getting outcoached at every turn. And I, I just I want these guys gone. And it's, we still got a whole quarter of football left to play, but I think it's over because it's on Mitch now. It's a 14-3 to uh, game. And uh, with the way our offense has been playing, back to the 2019 style of the first half of 2020, where it's all inside runs, uh, the only shots we're taking downfield are like 50 yards downfield. And we all know that Mitch is not, that's not his strong suit. Putting it all on Mitch is not how we win football games. And we're down another receiver in Anthony Miller when Mooney's already out. So this thing is over. It's just a matter of time now. Maybe the Saints will go ahead and score on this drive they're starting the quarter with and put us out of our misery. <laughs> oh, look at that. I did mention Anthony Miller. I didn't, I didn't really go in-depth uh, with it because it was a knee-jerk reaction. I didn't really have time. But, um, you know, it, 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 it's I, – and I honestly, I believe that Anthony Miller hit Gardner Johnson – not because Johnson said anything that pissed him off or was over the edge or uh, anything like that. Anthony Miller hit him because Javon Wims hit him, and Javon Wims basically faced no real consequences. He got suspended by the NFL for a couple of weeks, and then he was welcomed back to the team after his suspension was over when he should have been cut before the NFL suspended him. He should have been cut, and, and because what are we really losing without Javon Wims, honestly? You know, he he was a seventh round pick. He, you know, couldn't keep couldn't find his way on the field, couldn't stay on the field, and then he did what he did. Uh, you know, in in the first game against the Saints, and it basically showed that there was no accountability. And if there's no accountability for a guy that barely plays, obviously somebody who's a second round pick and Anthony Miller, somebody who gets more snaps, is a bigger focal point uh, of the offense. Surely he can get away with it. So, you know, it's like I think that Anthony Miller hauled off and hit Javon Wims or couldn't keep himself from doing it because he didn't really feel like there'd be any consequences if he did. And that's that's on Ryan Pace. That's on Matt Nagy. That's unacceptable. It is unacceptable. I mean, to lose your cool like that in this game, in that situation with those stakes and everything else on the line, that's what you do. Like you're that selfish that you can't think of your teammates and the hole that you're putting them in. You can't think of in the moment how your offense is struggling and that adding a 15-yard penalty uh, to it all uh, might not, you know, fuck your team or anything uh, like that. And like the only blessing there was I guess that Gardner Johnson did say something that was uh, colorful enough because he got hit with a penalty too. And as far as I know, he didn't lay a finger on Anthony Miller. So it wasn't like when Javon Wims hit him and then they just attacked each other and everything started going down. Uh, he, I did, from what I saw, the footage that I saw, Anthony Miller hit him and then Garner Johnson started looking around at the referees to see if anybody saw that. you know. And But he must have said something because he got flagged too. So it was kind of an offsetting penalty situation. So in the end, it just cost us Anthony Miller. It didn't cost us... 15 yards it was a dead ball foul with offsetting penalties so it was just whatever the next down was supposed to be second down third down 
uh, whatever. But, you know, like it or not, we needed Anthony Miller on Sunday, and he took himself out of the game. And, and I would love to know what Nagy was saying to him on the sidelines because the CBS got a shot of him together talking to one another. And Nagy was doing all the talking, and, and Miller was kind of reacting to it. I would love to know what Matt Nagy was saying to him. You know, because if it wasn't, I want you to go ahead and in the locker room and I want you to pack all your shit and want you to get a good look at your bear uniform because it's the last time you're ever going to wear one is what he should have been saying to him. You know, it's like you and Wims both <laughs> you fucking guys are gone. But, uh, you know, whatever it was, it uh, probably wasn't what it should have been. And, uh, you know, like I said, Anthony Miller felt that he could get away with it because Javon Wims did. And Javon Wims is not on the same level of Anthony Miller as far as, quote-unquote, importance to the team. And I think that's a message that needs to be sent so that Anthony Miller and Javon Wims have to find someplace else to play football next year. And uh, good luck with that, with what you've shown this year. So, yeah. And, um, you know, like I said, it was... um, it was it was it was things like that that were that were hurting the Bears uh, on Sunday. The jumping off sides on fourth and three that allowed the Saints to, you know, instead of like, well, I mean, they they were trying to get us to jump. Eddie Jackson jumps. So what they would have done if we didn't jump is probably call a timeout and kick a field goal. Instead, uh, we you know opened the doors for them to be able to to score on a total on a great play. You know, the Bears had uh, Breeze dead to rights. He just barely flips it off to uh, Latavius Murray, who turns around and does the rest of the work and finds himself in the end zone uh, a few seconds later. So it was it was not a play that was written up that way. It was just, you know, players making plays. And that's something that we weren't doing on on uh, on Sunday. We just weren't. And it was uh, the people that we were relying on the most that were letting us down, like an Eddie Jackson, who played an awful awful game on Sunday not to you know like that's that that um jumping off sides penalty aside you know he had it breeze I think it was in the it was in the third quarter I think breeze throws it out in the flat to a receiver that if Eddie Jackson makes the play he's tackling the guy at the line of scrimmage so it's no gain instead he somehow shakes Eddie Jackson out of his shoes and then runs for like another 12 yards and gets a first down and if I'm not mistaken, I think that was third down as well. So, you know, just an awful, awful display from Eddie Jackson, who's had a shit bag of a year. Just awful. You know, he gets paid in the winter, and all of a sudden the second paid, second highest paid safety in all of football is paying like the second best or the second worst safety in, in, in the whole game. You know, it's it's been staggering to watch Eddie Jackson this year, and, and he's got zero zero interceptions and I know and I've said this a few times I know he's had a few turnovers taken away from him this year but he's been nowhere when the Bears needed him to make a play this year he's just been nowhere dropping the interceptions missing the tackles that would have made a that you know opened the door from for a five-yard gain to be a 15-yard gain and, and things like that just over and over Eddie Jackson has let us down and I'm hoping that a new defensive coordinator can help him next year because you know it's just that's really like the only thing that correlates is that Eddie Jackson all of a sudden became an average to shitty safety after Pagano took over 
So I'm hoping it's a scheme thing, that if we get somebody who can work Eddie Jackson the way that Vic Fangio did in his first two years in the league, 2017, 2018, can you name a safety that was better than him? Because I can't. I mean, he was absolutely everywhere, opportunistic, making plays, making tackles, and, and all that kind of stuff. And then 2019, somehow he made the Pro Bowl last year. I don't really see how, but, um, you know, and this year especially, he went off a cliff with his productivity. Missing the tackles, uh, not being able, not being there to make plays, dropping interceptions, all that kind of stuff. I mean, he dropped at least three or four that I can think of right off the top of my head that he just let slip through his fingers. You know, was it the Saints game? There was one in Houston. There was Green Bay last week. So, you know, and there were others, I'm sure, that um, whether it was, you know, turnover opportunities or missed tackles and all that kind of stuff, he just had a terrible, terrible season for Eddie Jackson. So I'm hoping a new D.C. can help him because next year is when his contract extension kicks in. So that's when he starts making the real money. So he needs to start playing like it. So hopefully the new D.C. can help him out. But, um, you know, again, with the with the coaching and, and the discipline and, and everything, it's like it just – if Nagy and Pace do keep their jobs, all I'm going to say is that that must have been one hell of a pitch for 2021 and beyond because after what we put on the field Sunday, if you're the McCaskies, why are you bringing them back? Why? Okay, why would you bring them back after what you just saw on Sunday? Why would you do it? We backed our way into the playoffs embarrassingly by our biggest rival, and then we go on go on the road. We're in a difficult place, and then we play possibly our worst game of the year. Possibly the worst game of the year on offense and back it up by wasting our first really good defensive performance in about seven weeks. How do you justify bringing those people back? You know, it, it can only be about money because Pace has got a year left. Nagy's got two. So that's a lot of money that you're going to have to pay in order to let them, you know, even though you let them go, somehow there's a, you know, somehow they have the world's greatest agents or I don't know what the hell, you know, that standard is in the league. You got to pay a guy who's no longer on your payroll. But, um, you know, it can only be money. It can only, it can't be philosophical or you know the changes that they promised to make or or anything like that but if that was it has to be one hell of a pitch to save those guys jobs because they don't really deserve to have them anymore the Bears should be moving on in my opinion so anyway the fourth quarter kind of came and went uh we struggled to get through it um and I started this knee-jerk reaction while the Bears had the ball and were kind of moving it uh down the field it ended with the uh uh, Jimmy Graham touchdown, which you'll hear, but it was the end of the season. It was the end of the game, the end of the season, and uh, you know us backing out the way, the same way we backed in, looking like a team that did not deserve to be there. <laughs> Knee jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears and Saints, and um, apparently we had a goal line stand where uh, Drew Brees tried to do one of those reach over the top deals and ended up being about three inches short of the goal line so now the the bears are running off the last of the clock trying to put a garbage touchdown on the board 21 seconds to go and uh we're down 21 to three so the chances of us scoring 
you know, three times in the next 21 seconds are not likely. So I'm going to go ahead and call this one. Uh, 21 to 3, possibly 21 to 10. I mean, wouldn't it be hilarious if Nagy had the balls to send Cairo Santos out there to kick a field goal to make it 21 to 6? <laughs> wouldn't that just be so 2020? But uh, anyway, it was it was a football. I mean, like I said, I, I called it after the third quarter. When the Saints went up 14 to 3, I started texting everybody I knew. I posted on Twitter, football game's over. It's done. You know, the... The the <laughs> it's it's so clear that Nagy was calling the plays again because we we're doing none of the things that got us to the playoffs, you know, and it just uh, was painful to watch. And Jimmy Graham just caught a touchdown pass as the clock strikes zero at the end of the ball game, and he's running into the locker room, which is appropriate. So, yeah, we'll kick the extra point, and it looks like it'll be a twenty-one to. 10 final great catch from Graham why not you know uh, what could have been you know but we just could not get out of our own way today you know the, the whims dropping the touchdown pass all of the uh, I mean we gave them I think at least two or three first downs jumping off sides on third and three fourth and three third and one, you know, things like that, just over and over again, just could not get out of our own way. Um, we got we got screwed a couple of times by the referees, but, you know, it just, it, it was us. We were doing it to ourselves, and it's hard enough to beat the Saints straight up. It's even more hard when you can't, when you're, you know, it's one thing for the Saints to beat us. It's another for us to beat ourselves. And today we did a lot to beat ourselves on top of the Saints being the second best team in our conference. So we exit the, the playoffs the same way that we uh, got in, looking like a team that doesn't deserve it. So we've been put out of our misery and we finished the year with a losing record, which is most likely, which is appropriate. And to be honest with you guys, I'll be very disappointed if I don't hear tomorrow that Matt Nagy has been fired. Because I do not want to sign up for another year of this undisciplined uh, garbage where we're constantly being outcoached, where we're constantly doing these stupid things over and over again. And just like Lance Briggs said on Twitter, you're either coaching it or you're allowing it. Either way, it makes the coach look really bad and I don't want to see it again. So to help with saving money and, and you know paying a guy that's, that's no longer your coach... It's what's best for the team to move on. So it's most likely not going to happen, but I would prefer that it did. <laughs> and so disappointed I was because Monday there were no announcements. And then Tuesday, the only announcement was Chuck Pagano announcing his own retirement uh, after two years with, as defensive coordinator for the Bears. Um, Stand-up guy and, and a true one of the good guys in, in the NFL. I mean, as you guys know, my, my AFC team is the Colts. And back in 2012, when he got his first head coaching job with the uh, Colts, you know, that was the year that he was diagnosed with cancer, spent the year uh, in recovery. And that's when, when, you know, when Bruce Arians kind of took over as interim coach while he was out doing his treatments and everything came back and, you know, was able to take the Colts to the AFC championship game in 2014. And, 
you know, did a lot of good things as head coach before, you know, moving on. And, uh, you know, I, th- I thought he did a hell of a job last year with the injuries and everything that he was faced with uh, last season. We still had a top five scoring defense. We didn't we we didn't have the same. We didn't have the turnovers um, and everything like that uh, that we had in 2018. But, you know, we, we still did very, very well defensively uh, last year. And um, I don't know what happened this year. Uh, I really don't. It seemed like we had trouble with the defense from the outset. We had a lot of trouble defending the run in the beginning of the season. And, you know, then, of course, when we were putting in these these great defensive efforts, we've got no help from the offense uh, and everything. So it just 2020 was a bad year. And um, it was kind of obvious that with the way this team played down the stretch, um, you know, two 40 plus point performances or 30 let's say 35 plus point performances from uh green bay and um you know a defense with that level of talent and that much money on the side of the ball being carried by our offense it's not a good look so that was a change that was probably coming uh i wonder if chuck was put in the uh you can either quit or we can fire you type of uh position and um just i guess he just saw that it was time for him to retire but uh, you never know with with coaches and retirement and things like that. Bruce Arians retired twice, uh, and then you know he's the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. So retirement's a, more like a temporary thing. But we'll see if if Pagano sticks to it. If he does, uh, all the best to him. All the best to him. So it's just un, unfortunate how it all fell apart um, with the talent that we had. So it'd be another thing if. If we had the same injuries this year, if we lost, you know, like Danny Trevathan for the last eight weeks of the season and we missed Akeem Hicks for 10 weeks or more like we did uh, last year and all of the other various injuries that began to pile up uh, on defense and, you know, Khalil Mack basically playing hurt the whole season and uh, and things like that. But, you know, yeah, Khalil was, was banged up at times, but we, you know – we had issues with Robert Quinn. He wasn't the signing that we'd hoped uh, he would be. And uh, there's, you know, rumors that he's had an injury that he's been recovering from all season. And hopefully the off season will help him with that. And, uh, but, you know, we lost the Keem Hicks for like what a game and a quarter uh, with the hamstring injury. And, you know, otherwise he was there and healthy and, and, and being a stud and, Roquan had the best season of his career, even though we lost him for the last the the last half against Green Bay and then, you know, all of the Saints game. But we had a great performance without Roquan in that uh, in that final game. So, you know, it would be one thing if it was just littered with injuries like we were last year, losing important guys left and right, um, uh, you know, during, throughout the season. But we were relatively healthy on the defensive side of the ball this year and we struggled mightily. Uh, pretty much th- the whole season for one reason or another. So, uh, and we were terrible on third down this year. Terrible on third down. So, uh, it was kind of like an axe that was going to fall, regardless of what Nagy and and Pace's fate was. And um, you know, like I said, it, it's um, there's still no official word. The rumor is they're coming back. I would love to hear how McCaskey's going to justify that or what Pace and Nagy are going to say when they face the firing squad that is the Chicago media. And I hope, I hope 
the Chicago media lets them have it. I really do hope that they ask those guys the tough questions like, well, what are your plans? Because, you know, what what are your plans for the future? What's the plan for 2021? Uh, and all that kind of stuff. And, and and if McCaskey will face the music, I hope he does. I mean, ask him, you know, uh, what kind of restrictions are these guys going to be under? Because the decisions that they're going to be making, they could very well sacrifice the future in order to keep their job after 2021. That's what gets scary, is that, you know, whereas if Pace was going to be the GM for the next five years, he wouldn't make a Deshaun Watson type trade where he gives up three first round picks and two seconds and, you know, a key piece of the defense and everything like that just to get uh, Deshaun Watson. It's a trade he would be insane to make, to mortgage the future. But if you if you're not gonna if you're not guaranteed the job past twenty twenty one, what the hell do you care what happens after twenty twenty one? This is this is why we <laughs> this is why Pace has got to go now, in my opinion. You know. Because he could be making decisions. He doesn't care what the fallout is because he won't be around for it. We can't have a guy like that running the team next year. We can't. So we either get to extend him or we got to fire him, period. Okay, we're either going <laughs> to say this is going to be our guy for the next five years or we got to fire him tomorrow and let a general manager going to come in who is going to be around to face the music for the the changes and the moves and things like that that he's going to make. So, you know. It would be, I think it would be easier to hang on to Nagy than it would be to, in my opinion, I can, I can see justifying Nagy. It's a long conversation. Like I said, we'll get into it when we have Lauren on the show this week. But um, I think I think Pace has to go now, just because he only has one year on his on his deal. So he's going to do whatever he can to go all in to win in 2021, so he can keep his job. And but he's also going to be making moves that. Maybe he doesn't care what the outcome is because he won't be around to face it if it doesn't work out. So we can't have a guy like that running the team. So anyway, that's it, guys. That's all I got um, for this. It was was a very disheartening uh, loss uh, for the Bears. We did not – remember during the the halftime uh, knee-jerk reaction after the second quarter, I'm saying I would just like to see the Bears go out fighting. I want them to go out just like the Washington football team did, where they they went f- out down fighting it till the very, to the very last play, you know. And I, I would love to see that. The Colts did the same thing, down twenty seven twenty four. It came down to a hail mary, as the clock went to zero, uh, and everything like that. I want to see the Bears kind of go out like that, where even in a losing fashion, people came away with a, a positive outlook on the team. Like, yeah, 7-9, and nine, you won the worst division in football, but the Redskins, forgive me, made an effort that where they looked like they looked competitive against Tampa. They looked like they deserved to be there. They looked like a division champ, and, you know, they fought to the end with, like, their fourth-string quarterback starting the game. Alex Smith didn't play, and, um, you know, Tyler, Tyler Heineke or Heineke, whatever his name was, um, you know, played like a champ in that game. Separated a shoulder at one point, making an awesome diving touchdown play, and played through the rest of the game. And, you know, the Redskins almost pulled it off, man. They almost did. So, um, but instead that did not happen. We, we go limping out of uh, 2020, uh, and the season is mercifully over. 
we move on to 2021 and, and now the answer to the questions what's next is it new gm is it new head coach is it you know maybe pace gets promoted to president and ted phillips retires and we bring in a new gm to work with Nagy next year there's rumors of that happening as well a very interesting scenario but um you know now we get to find out what's next and hopefully we'll we'll get some answers before um uh lauren and i are talking on wednesday which is uh today i guess for most of you listening to this and um we're releasing the show on friday so that uh when i when i record the rest of the show on thursday maybe i'll have a chance to you know talk about it um in the pre and post uh interview segments so anyway that's going to do it guys we're going to go ahead and close the book on this season we still got one more uh before our you know we still got one more as far as our our season finale uh episode i'm not going to do a bear up bear down for the season i've decided uh we're just going to go ahead and when lauren and i finish our conversation that's the end of 2020 we're on to 2021 uh, from there. So uh, then the, the next episode after the year in review show will be episode one for the 2021 season, whether it's off season stuff or anything like that. I've got some interesting ideas for some things I want to do in the off season. And since I am fairly certain that it would take a nuclear uh, holocaust in order for the NFL not to play football on Sundays, I'll be participating big time in the off season. Uh, this year so got some ideas for some kind of shows uh, that I want to do and uh, I'm looking forward to it Um, because when I started doing the podcast again after that long break during the off season I realized how long how much I kind of missed it and uh, how much I've enjoyed doing it since being back so uh, and I have you guys to thank for it it's been one of the most successful years I've had uh, doing the show um, downloads are up and, and things like that. So that's really great. And I thank you guys for that. So come back on Friday. Myself and Lauren Cox will put a button on the 2020 season and we'll move on to 2021. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been Bear Stock Underground.